Thank you very much, brother. Love those songs. And I can't help tear up every time at that middle song that we sang, Once Your Enemy, Now Seated at Your Table. Oh. Jeremiah chapter 20. We're going to be going through the whole chapter today and listen intently because you'll see the ups and downs that Jeremiah goes through in this chapter. Now, Pashur the priest, the son of Emer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Then Pashur beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate of the house of the, of the, house of the Lord. The next day, when Pashur released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord does not call your name Pashur, but terror on every side. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. They shall fall by the sword of their enemies while you look on. And I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon. He shall carry them captive to Babylon and shall strike them down with the sword. Moreover, I will gaze... I will give all the wealth of the city, all its gains, all its prized belongings, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah into the hands of their enemies, who shall plunder them, seize them, carry them to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. To Babylon you shall go, and there you shall die, and there you shall be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied falsely. O Lord, You have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I've become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me, for whenever I speak, I cry out. I shout violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot... For I hear many whispering, tear on every side, denounce him, let us denounce him, say all my close friends, watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived, then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior, therefore my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me, they will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts who test the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of the evildoers. Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. Cursed is the man who brought the news to my father. A son is born to you, making him very glad. Let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon, because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Why did I come out of the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Oh, poor Jeremiah. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. Let's bow. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look through this very unique text, Lord, the ups and the downs that Jeremiah is going through here um, for being a faithful minister. Lord, I pray that you would please give us insight and help us, Lord, to see your word as a whole. Help us to see how we are to take your word as a whole as we carry it through our whole life long. Give us grace to do this, Lord. And I pray that you would even use this service this sermon, 
today to help us be more like Jesus. Lord, I pray that some who are hearing my voice would come to you for the first time ever and be saved. And I pray that others who've been walking with you for years would be further built up in grace and truth. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your perfect name. Amen. In his book, Spiritual Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Christian Life, uh, Donald Whitney, the author of that book, he has a whole chapter in that book on the importance of journaling. And when I was in seminary, I remember taking his class and going through that book. And I remember the portion of the class where he taught about journaling and where we spent time journaling on our own. I also remember not being very consistent in my journaling once the class was over. I remember that. Uh, But I would journal from time to time, seeing the importance of it. However, I usually only journaled during times of some great spiritual high point in my life. I wanted to remember that, and I was so thankful, and I just gushed thankfulness and praise in those journal entries. Or I would journal during other times, during some failure, when I felt like, boy, woe is me. I'm such a bad father, or boy, I fell into this temptation again. And it was at those times that I would journal as well, when I was just really down. So if someone was to ever find that journal, it might be concluded that I only ever had these wild swings in my life, they would think, boy, this guy, he's a, he's a train wreck. He's either way high or he's way low. I didn't usually journal when I was in the middle. I either journaled when there was some time of great ecstasy, praise to God, or where I was loathing myself or my sin. In the Christian life, we will experience those swings. We experience those swings from time to time. But not usually within the same 24 hours. However, that is possible. It's very possible. We see in today's text a broad swing of emotions, a roller coaster of emotions, possibly even a roller coaster that might feel familiar to you. I want to show how the Lord provides for us during these times. And he knows exactly what we need during these times. I've titled the message this morning, Are You on the Roller Coaster? I believe this. I really believe this. That if you're walking with the Lord, walking in true true obedience, true faithfulness in this world, that you will experience this roller coaster of emotions from time to time. This spiritual roller coaster even. Where where there's great highs and there seems to be great lows. It's great times of praise and victory, and there's, there's times of sorrow and sadness and self-loathing. I think every faithful Christian is going to actually go through those times, and I think it's actually even the mark of a faithful Christian to go through times like that. Now, how we respond to it emotionally is going to be different, though. How we respond to it emotionally can be good or bad, as we're going to see here with Jeremiah But let's look at what's going on. In chapter 20, you see that there's a response to what he said. It says, Now, Pashur the priest, the son of Emer, who was chief officer, when he heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, what things? Well, if you just look right up in your Bible, 
above chapter 20 over into chapter 19, the very last verse. Jeremiah prophesies, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I'm bringing upon this city and upon all its towns all the disaster that I have pronounced against it because they have stiffened their neck, refusing to hear my words. So that, what's the response to what he said? Well, the response is this priest beating Jeremiah and putting him in stocks. Children, if you don't know what that is, you, you, you actually do know what it is. It's when there's this two pieces of wood, big hole in the middle, two small holes right here. You put your head through it and you put your hands through it. and they make you, st- you have to stand up. The whole time you're in there, you can't fall asleep. It's torturous. And they leave you in there for at least 24 hours. You can't eat, can't drink, no bathroom visits, to stand up, can't sleep. It's torturous. Well, that's what they did to Jeremiah. And so when he gets out, he's not happy. He's angry. And he tells this man, Pashur, who put him in there, exactly what the Lord wanted told to this man. Because here is this man, a priest of God, doing these things to a prophet of God. Well, I say he's a priest of God. He's a priest He's not a priest of God. He's a priest of his God, some false God that he's created, or the false gods of the nations, though he's still wearing the priestly garb. It's possible to look right on the outside and be very wrong on the inside. Remember the Pharisees? And what's going to happen to this man is something that was told to Abraham. Abraham was told by God, I'll bless those who bless you, and he who dishonors you, I'll curse. We see something similar to that happening now to Pashur, because when he gets out of the stocks, when Jeremiah gets out of the stocks, he starts speaking to Pashur, and he tells him, the Lord does not call your name Pashur, this is verse 3, but terror on every side. Now, if you're reading the New American Standard Bible, I believe also the King James and the New King James, don't say tear on every side. They actually have the words magor mesabib. Magor mesabib. That's actually what he said, but how it's translated is terror on every side. So our English Standard Version, a few other translations, just went ahead and translated it for us, just to make it a bit easier. Now, what's this big deal about terror on every side? Well, you, you need to know that the goal back in that day was, not, was, was peace on every side. David, when he finally defeated all of his enemies and he built up the walls around Jerusalem, it said that he had peace on every side. That was the high point. That was the great point that every king wanted to get to, especially a king blessed by God. Because well, once you had peace on every side, you had nothing to worry about. You were able to rest and farm your land in peace. You didn't have to worry about nations coming to invade you This was the height of God's blessings on a people. Peace on every side. So here, he's got the opposite. This man that stuck out his hand against God's prophet, he now has terror on every side. And he said, you've been prophesying these false things to these people for so long, and guess what? These people that you've been prophesying peace, peace to, you're actually going to see them fall. They're going to have trusted you in what you said, and because they trusted you, They're going to fall by the sword, and you're going to see it. Not only that, you're going to get captured and taken away. So this is the warning. This is the word from God that is given to this enemy of God, Pashur. 
And what we see next is the roller coaster beginning for Jeremiah after he says these things. He really starts to feel what just went down. He just got beat. He just had to suffer all night long in the stocks, wanting to sleep, not being able to sleep, hungry, thirsty, no bathroom visits, and he just comes out of those things. And look what he says here in verse 7. Oh, Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I. You have prevailed. I've become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me, for whenever I speak, I cry out and shout, violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. Every time I say what you tell me to say, I'm reproached. You deceived me. I feel tricked. Now, what does he mean? What's he referring to? Why would he think God deceived him? Well, how does the book start? Remember how our book starts? Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Remember this section? It's on the screen for you as well. Now, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And there's Jeremiah rubbing his sore neck, rubbing his sore wrists, hungry, hurting for being beaten. And he's saying, you said you were going to deliver me. You said you were going to deliver me. You said you'd make me like an iron wall and no one would be able to come against me. And I'm hurting. What is this? You deceived me. Jeremiah misunderstood the Lord. He didn't say, no one will actually ever be able to lay a hand on you. No one will ever make your feelings get hurt. He misunderstood the Lord. But he felt as though he had understood him perfectly. You've been in that place in your life before, I'm sure. You felt like, God, I feel like I'm being wronged here. I I feel like I'm getting the short end of the deal here. I thought that what it meant in following you is everything was going to be really great. Because somebody even told me that once, maybe. We're often sold that bill of goods on TV, on the radio. There's plenty of false prophets out there that are saying, peace, peace. Follow Jesus and everything will be great, especially in the prosperity gospel. You're promised that. And if you don't get it, obviously something's wrong with you. But we're sometimes hit with that wave of emotions too. Like, I didn't... I don't know if this is what I signed up for, Lord. This is really hard. I'm standing up for the faith at work, and I got fired. I stand up for the faith at work, and I get made fun of. And this guy over here, who lies and steals and is a total jerk, he got the promotion. I don't get it. Or, Lord, I'm faithfully following you, and you know I didn't get this thing I really wanted. She has it. He has it. I kind of feel like I'm less loved, Lord. Jeremiah is going through these emotions. He's feeling it. He's feeling the effects of sometimes faithfully following God. 
and he's reacting. So there's three W's that are going to happen in your life from time to time that are going to make you get on this roller coaster. What are those three W's? When these three things happen in your life, when you're weary, when you're worried, or when you're waiting, or a combination of the two or the three, when you're weary, when you're worried, or when you've been waiting, these are the times that you will be tempted to get on that emotional roller coaster, or may not even be tempted when you find yourself on it. Because sometimes you're just in it, and you don't even know how you got on the ride. You just know things are going down now. Jeremiah was weary. He had prophesied and prophesied and prophesied and obeyed and obeyed and obeyed. And now all he's getting People trying to kill him, people beating him, everyone hating him, he's losing all of his friends, and he's waiting on God to do something. So here we have a combination. He's weary and he's waiting, and now he gets on this roller coaster and begins to say things like, I want you to carry out your vengeance on these people. This is really hard. You deceived me and denounce them. But you know what, Lord? You are a warrior for me. You're going to fight for me. Look at verse 12. O Lord of hosts who test the righteous, seize the hearts and the mind. Let me see vengeance upon them. And then look at verse 13. It's almost like, okay, all right, I feel good now. Sing to the Lord, praise him. He's delivered me. He's delivered the needy from the hand of the evildoers. Praise his name. And then the very next verse, curse the day on which I was born. (laughs) I mean, you've been there. You've been there. Maybe not within... The truth is we don't know if this was all written in the same day. We don't know that. This may have been a pause. One day he may have been like, you know what, God's going to help me. Maybe he got a good night's rest. Maybe he got a good meal. And and the next day he said, sing to the Lord, praise him. He's delivered the needy. I was needy. He delivered me. And maybe a few more days went on. And he says, you know what, I wish I was never born It's okay to be on the roller coaster. I want you to know that it's not a sin to struggle in the Christian life. Jesus actually said we would. And Jesus actually said that we would be persecuted. Did he not? So it's not a sin to be on the roller coaster, but how you react on it can be sinful. Actually, John Calvin here, for this portion in the commentary um, that he wrote on this book, Jeremiah, he actually said he accuses Jeremiah here of blasphemy. Now, when I think blasphemy, I think maybe he and I interpret blasphemy differently. When I think blasphemy, I mean, it's like you're saying horrible things about God and you're dragging his name through the mud, those kind of things, replacing his holy name for a common filth word. He says, when Jeremiah cursed what God blessed, he was blaspheming. Because the day of Jeremiah's birth was a blessed day. Remember, God told Jeremiah, even before you were born, I chose you and consecrated you. Even before your birth. So the day of your birth was blessed. And Jeremiah is cursing it. So we can sin when we're on this roller coaster. I have spoken to Christians who were struggling badly. Okay? I rarely ever get a phone call that says, Pastor, you know, I just... I just love you, and you're just doing a great job. God bless you. Have a good day. Usually when I get a call, usually when somebody's calling the pastor, it's, 
hey, I've got a big problem. And that's what I'm here for. That's what men of God are here for. We help you when you're struggling. We give you truth. Because when you're struggling, sometimes it's hard to see truth. And so who do you go to? The man who knows the truth. The man who prays for you already. And so I'm glad to get those calls. But I've had those calls before, sometimes when somebody was really struggling badly. And guess what? This person, in the midst of struggle, was saying some things that were just sinful. They were bad. I was patient, and I listened, and I helped. But the things that were said were not what would be said in this building on a Sunday morning. This person was really struggling, seeing some deep struggles. And that person, I, I know, knew that that was wrong to talk that way. And I feel very sure that person repented afterwards because I know the character of this person. So sometimes we will sin in those times. It's not a sin to be on the roller coaster, but you can sin when you're on the roller coaster. That's what I'm trying to say. John Calvin believes he was blaspheming here, cursing something that God blessed. Don't ever curse what God blessed. If God's blessed it, don't curse it. Now what's interesting is Jeremiah's not the only one that's been weary, that's been worried, or that's been in the waiting, because these are times when we can find ourselves on the roller coaster. Who else? Let's talk about four other people in the scriptures. Four other examples that went to, through similar things. And I'm going to start with Job. You were already thinking of him. Remember Job? Chapter 1 about Job says, first of all, that he was blameless. He was upright and he feared God. He had seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. And it says about him, quote, he was the greatest of all the people in the east. You remember what happened? God says to the devil, have you seen my man Job? No one like him. He's awesome. Oh, you know what, though? You let me stretch out my hand and touch his possessions and touch his family and touch his health again and again. He'll curse you to your face. God said, go for it. And that's exactly what happened. And what did Job end up saying in chapter 6? This had gone on. For a while, it would go on much longer. But Job chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. Oh, that I might have my request, and that God will fulfill my hope. What is it, Job? That it would please God to crush me, and that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. He said, I want to be dead. I want to be cut off from the land of the living. I want to be out of here. I don't want to go through this anymore. Because not only did he lose all that stuff, then he comes, has all his friends, air quotes, coming around him saying, hey, we heard what you're going through. You must be a really horrible person, <laughs> just to let you know, because wow, we've never even heard of anything like this. So let's, let's talk. Let's find out how bad you really are and where this all started from. We're here to help you my friend. And he says, you know what? God, just kill me. Just kill me. Even James talks about this in the book of James chapter 5 verse 11. He says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. We've heard of the steadfastness of Job. You've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He was compassionate and merciful. Job got on this roller coaster and he started to sin. 
That's why God shows up at the end and says, who's this who darkens counsel? God says everything he says. Job puts his hand over his mouth and says, I was wrong. You're right. And what, how does the book end? God provides double for what Job lost. I want to show you that when you're on the roller coaster, we have all these examples I'm going to show you about how God provided at the end of the ride. Job 42.10, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And then also later in verse 12, it says, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. Job was wearied, and he was in the waiting. He went through that for a long time. And that got him on the roller coaster. What did God do at the end of the ride? The latter days were better than the former. He had double of everything that he lost, except for his sons and daughters. He, had, he got the exact amount back. Seven sons and three daughters. What about another man in the scriptures that's also been on this roller coaster? was faithful to God, was following God, doing what he said, but then found himself on the roller coaster of these emotions because it's going to happen, I'm telling you right now. And don't think it odd when it happens, when you find yourself on the roller coaster. And this, it's not a great time for self-assessment either, okay? We tend to want to assess ourselves when we're at the lowest point on the coaster. You do this. Moms, you especially do this. When you're wearied, worried, and waiting, waiting for those kids to become more independent. All three of those hit you. That's usually when you ladies will assess yourselves. That's usually when you ladies will say, look at me, I'm just a horrible person. Us men will do that too. It's not the time for self-assessment. Avoid that. You know Moses' reputation the Bible actually says about him in the book of Numbers that at that time, there was no more humble person on planet Earth than Moses. You know how he followed the Lord? Great obedience. Yes, started out self-doubting, but walked in obedience through all of the plagues, took the people out of Egypt, went up on the mountain, saw God's back, face glowing, Ten Commandments, all that and more. He's with the people day after day after day, year after year after year. God's providing for them. And they say, you know what? We want some meat. We're so tired of this manna. We want meat. And so in Numbers 11, verses 10 through 5, Moses heard the people weeping throughout the clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. And Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight? Sort of what Jeremiah went through. You deceived me, I was deceived. That you lay the burden of this people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom and nurse, as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. 
If I find favor in your sight, then I may not see my wretchedness. Lord, if you're, just, if you're going to treat me like, you know, just kill me. I just want to be dead. Here we go again. This burden was hard for him for too many years. Here he is weary, and here he is in the waiting. Those are the two W's that he's got. And he says, just kill me. How did God provide for this man? God provided elders, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to help gird up that burden he was under. Look at the very next verses, verses 16 through 17 of Numbers 11. The Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down, talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself. God provided the end of that roller coaster had a smooth, steady stop, and he obtained help. Be encouraged by that, Christian. This is the character of God. When you're burdened, when you're on the roller coaster, he provides for his people. Even when they're acting foolishly, just kill me. That is foolish. It is to act like that. It's a bit of a pity party. And we get in those. Let's just face it. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. And what I'm trying to show you is you're not alone. Other people way more godly than you have done this. Okay? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think the most humble man on the earth would talk like that. Just kill me. I wouldn't think that. But this shows you what a heavy burden he was under. We are but flesh after all, okay? And God is compassionate with us. He understands that we are but flesh. He's been in this flesh. You have a compassionate Lord. Isn't that wonderful? What about Elijah? This happened to Elijah also. I'm, I'm cherry-picking some really great, awesome people here, aren't I? To show you that they did the same thing. Elijah, 1 Kings 18, 36 through 40. This is one of the highlights of the Old Testament. This, if you ever get a children's Bible that just hits the highlights, this always makes it in, right? And at that time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, that I have done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench." When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. This was the showdown at Mount Carmel. And the Lord showed out when he showed up and won and the false prophets, 450 of them, were slaughtered there. What a victory. I mean, wow, what a victory. Yes? Well, then guess what happens next? 
after this huge highlight, this great big moment. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, that wicked woman, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of them by this morning, by by this time tomorrow, forgive me. Then he was afraid. He rose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. <laughs> You're almost like thinking, I'm sorry, what? Um, surely there was something left out. Surely there was a, a large portion left out, because here he calls on the Lord and he brings down such an intense fire It consumes the offering, it consumes the wood, it consumes the stones, it consumes the dirt. It must have just been this large crater and nothing left. And then he kills all these false prophets. And then somebody says, hey, Jezebel says she's coming to get you. And he says, are you serious? Oh my gosh. And he runs away. I don't get it. You know what I also don't get? When I see God do such an amazing work in my own life, and then the bank account's a little low, and I'm freaking out, and I'm saying, I'm such a failure, I can't even provide for my family. What are we going to do? Why do I do that? Why do do you do that? Now, thank the Lord, I do that less, because he's shown me again and again and again, I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to provide for you. How did God provide for this man during this time? What did he need? Because he was worried. That was his W. He was worried. We're also going to find that he was weary too. Because look at 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8. How did God provide for this man when he said, just kill me? When he was on this crazy roller coaster that was almost out of nowhere. You almost think he's bipolar? What's wrong with this guy? You would think that if you read my journal too. You think, oh, this day he was great. Oh, this day he's a horrible person. Oh, this day he loves God. Oh, this day he's loathing his life. First Kings 19, 5 through 8. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there at his head, a cake baked on hot stones. And a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time, touched him and said, Rise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. So what did he need? He simply needed a warm meal and a good rest. Sometimes that's all you need too. Sometimes it's just that. I have found that when I am really hungry and really stressed and I haven't had a lot of sleep, I'm not at my best either. And guess what? I get a good warm meal. I get a few good nights rest in a row, stress level down, and I'm back to my old self. And Amy says, oh, praise God. I can actually talk to you again. (laughs) 
That's how God provided for him, a warm meal and good rest. And that got him a smooth landing on that roller coaster he was on. It came to a stop. He got to get off. Isn't this wonderful? Be encouraged, church. You are but flesh. And in walking with the Lord, you will have times when you're on this coaster and you're acting in ways that you shouldn't, you're saying things that you shouldn't. Go to the Lord. And this is why you also need the people of God. And you need to be in God's word and in in prayer, not throwing it all away, not wishing your life was thrown away. Now I want to even show you that this flesh that you're in, that Jesus even truly, really experienced this flesh too. Now Jesus experienced this momentarily, and he didn't sin. But I want to show you the resolve he had at one point. And then you know how he prayed in the garden at another point. I'm not charging our Lord with any sin. He did not sin. But we do see his humanity. He was really human like us. He was also God, but he was also very human. Look at Luke 18, 31 through 33. Look at this resolve. Listen to the firmness of these words. And taking the 12, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. This is Jesus Christ saying all these things will 100% happen absolutely. But then the morning before everything starts to go down, look at Luke 22. 41 through 42. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew that he knew that he knew there was no other way, that this all would happen. He knew it. But in his humanity, thinking with a human mind about all that was about to happen in the spiritual realm, we can't even get this. We we can't even understand this. Not yet. And maybe in glory. (laughs) He was about to experience the wrath of all the sins of everyone who would ever believe, ever. Past, present, and future forever, as long as the earth exists in the state it's in right now. He's about to take the full wrath of all of those from his father, who he had only ever seen a smile and perfect fellowship from. And he was about to also be forsaken by him. Knowing what was going to happen in the spiritual realm with his human mind made him pray this way. But how did God provide for him? The very next verse says this. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. We sometimes forget that. We sometimes forget God provided for him and strengthened him when he was weak. I've shown you how he's done it in Job's life, Moses' life, Elijah's life, and even in Jesus. 
This is how God acts towards his people who walk in faithfulness, even when they're on that horrible roller coaster of emotions and self-loathing and self-pity and foolish temper tantrums. Those who faithfully follow the Lord will find that God provides strength for them when they're weary, when they're worried, and when they're also in the waiting. Because sometimes just in the waiting, it gets hard. In the waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on God to do what he said or what you believe he said he was going to do, and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait, and you think, it's been so many years, and you start to feel it, right? I want to encourage you. I want to show you that men of God, people of God, go through this. You can expect it. When you expect it, also expect God to provide, though. He did it in all these cases, didn't he? And he's going to do it to Jeremiah, too. Later, Jeremiah still has some more waiting to go through, though. He still has some more words to say. And maybe you're in that period, too. You're still in the midst of things. God's provision is on the horizon. He knows what it is, and he brings it in his time and his way. But guess what? It's tailor-made for you because of Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've purchased all good things for us through your death, burial, and resurrection. You purchased all good things and good blessings for us when you took the wrath that was supposed to be ours, Lord. Now we're clothed in your righteousness, Lord. I pray for any within the sound of my voice, if he or she has not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ yet, who took the punishment for sinners, bore it all, said it is finished, died, rose again from the dead. I pray that if any soul hearing my voice now has not yet put faith and trust in his finished work alone, that those persons will, Lord, please save them. And please help us in the faith, Lord, to continue to walk forward, knowing that you provide for your people. Give us grace, Lord, when we find ourselves acting in emotional ways. Lord, please be patient with us when we're weary and when we're worried and when we're waiting. Please continue to be patient with us and help us. We thank you that you do. You have such a good track record of caring for your sheep. We thank you in the name of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen.